Now, apologies to Martin. I'm not moving for the mic, but I am moving the furniture <laughs> because I'm not digital. I like paper. And in the context, in fact, it would be better if it was the right way around. In the context, I usually lead services. There may be two or three deaf people lip-reading every word, so I have to stick to the script because they will have it in front of them as well. That doesn't mean I have to do it today, unless anybody is actually checking up on what I'm saying. So, anyway, is that okay? I'll just stay like that, grand. Great, let us pray. Father, thank you for the sheer joy it is to be here. And I ask you that you would move me out the way and that your Holy Spirit would come and you would hedge us round and protect us in the blood of Christ so that we can truly focus on you, Lord, and what you want to say to us at this time. And thank you, we can ask that in the precious, beloved name of Jesus. Amen. It is a privilege to be here today, and I can't tell you how strange it is to think all these years I'd be here, standing somewhere off to my right, happily signing for the deaf one or two folks that would be coming, in those days, I never thought I would be standing here. I think it's fair to say. I'm a reader in the Church of Scotland, and that means that I'm not an ordained minister. I'm a lay, an ordinary person, but I have been trained to lead services. But usually, when I'm speaking, I'm signing at the same time. So today, I'm going to try and have to lock my hands <laughs> to the lectern. But it doesn't work at Whitburn because... Steve, oh, during worship, and I thought, no, I'm going to have, I have to behave today. And Steve said, no, be released into what God wants to do, let go, and that means I have to sign. But I can also remember when I would come here monthly, I always had note to self, wear no makeup, you will be bubbling. <laughs> so why should today be any different? And fair enough, in the worship, there I'm signing away and going. <laughs> Uh, hopefully it won't show later. So, Stevie's been asking me to come for quite a while now. And, you know, my reaction's been, no, no, I don't do this. Yeah, I do sign services, and I do interpret in other churches, just like I used to come here to interpret. But I don't just preach. No. However, just as you've mentioned, Stevie, from time to time, when I've come here, I've had pictures or words for individuals and occasionally it's been a real privilege to come not knowing what's happening in the church and God giving a word into the life of the church. So a while ago when God gave me a picture in which he wanted every single person in the fellowship here, all of you here today, all of you who chose to come, were invited to come, were dragged to come, or as my son would say, just rocked up to see what was happening. For each one of you and all the folks, the children, the leaders, the people away on holidays, the Lord was saying, I want to give you each something. Well, when he says that, I can't really say no, can I? So I'll come to the picture in a moment. Before I get to that, I'd like to share a verse with you. 
It's been really significant to me, and it's not the scripture reading that we're going to look at today, but it's still relevant. And Kathleen, if you could show the first slide. It's from Amos chapter 7, verse 14. I'm not a prophet. I wasn't trained to be a prophet. I'm a shepherd, and I take care of fig trees. <laughs> now, this is Amos speaking. As many of you will know, he was one of the Old Testament prophets, and he came from a really small village called Tekoa, which was somewhere far smaller than Whitburn, probably smaller, I don't know, Stonyburn, Bent, I don't know. But the point is, Tekoa wasn't a big, important place, and neither was Amos. And this verse really struck me, because when I was unsure about starting training to become a reader... I met a woman who'd become a minister. And she said, when God was prompting me to train as a pastor, I said to him, me? I'm just like Amos. I'm not a prophet. He said, I'm a shepherd from Tekoa. So I said to God, I'm a housewife from Cumbernauld. And that didn't stop God using her as a minister. And it certainly didn't stop God using Amos as a prophet. I still tried. I tried saying to God, I am not a preacher, I am a signer from West Lothian. And of course, the whole point of signing is that you interpret other people's words, not your own. However, God was challenging me. And that's the question that I feel I am meant to ask you today. What stops you becoming who God wants you to be? And it is quite a tough question, but I'm asking it really gently. And actually, it's not about what stops you becoming who God wants you to be. It's what stops us. Because I'd love to tell you I've got it fixed, but I wrestle with this most days. God doesn't want us to just define ourselves by what we think we are. Shepherd, housewife, whatever it is. He wants us to see ourselves in the way that he sees us. Deaf people love stories. It's a really important part of sign culture. And it's often how meaningful things are passed on. So after a drink of water, let me tell you a brief story. I think I now have two glasses of water. I thought it was the lady who was singing, but... (coughs) I'll put mine down here. Okay. So a few years ago, God nudged me to take a friend down to a tiny Christian retreat centre in Wales for a few days. It was for a special birthday. It wasn't really a road trip. You know, for those of you who go back a few years, Thelma and Louise style, Lorraine and Louise, no, we were just going down to Wales for a wee holiday, two or three days. But as we went down, I felt God was really going to bless her and encourage her. I had a really uncomfortable feeling that he was meaning business with me. And I had no idea what that would look like. On our first morning there, I asked the Lord, what was it that he wanted to say to me during our time there? And a phrase came clearly through my mind, and this was it. You need to get over yourself. (laughs) Now, you may not think that God uses such direct words. (laughs) Look at the Old Testament and just check it out. You need to get over yourself. Now, I, as a person, I am not naturally bold and ready to get out there and take risks. I am quite cautious about things. 
In fact, you know Wallace and Wallace and Gromit in the cartoons? And Wallace is often standing there with his hands going from side to side like that. Yeah, that's me. And in fact, there's a sign that's better than that. And the sign's that. Which is basically, I'm getting out of here. You know, I don't need to do this. And that sits quite comfortably with me. No, no, okay. I'm off. But for some years, I'd been getting a word or a picture. And I'd always say to people, oh, Mary, I hope you don't mind. I've got this picture. And it might be relevant, but it might be not. Um, well, you know, and I think God's saying, and I'd come out with it, but there would be no confidence in it. And it is amazing that God could still use me. But I was always scared. However, there I was in Wales, and the Lord was saying to me, I have brought you here to let you get over yourself. And my heart sank. And for the whole of that day, in this small, packed little Christian centre, I got a word for every single person I met. I met a lady at breakfast, and I was okay. Um, Hello, oh, you don't mind? <laughs> exactly as I would have said to you, Maria. I've got this picture for you. And I tell her, and she just about hugs me with what it meant. And so it went throughout the day. And really, by the end of the day, I accepted I had to get over myself. So by the second day, had I learned my lesson? Absolutely not. I decided I am staying in my room, I'm shutting myself away, and I'm going to read a book. I'll be quiet and holy. If I don't talk to anyone, it means I don't have to get a word or a picture for anyone. You can see I'd not really consulted God in it. <laughs> this was the book, Max Lucado, Travelling Light. My friend had gone out for a lovely walk in the countryside with the folks there. And I started reading the book. Well, I'd actually got a few chapters in. And then I felt this nudge saying... You're not going to finish it. You're going to read to chapter 9. And it was very rare that I would get something as clear as a number. So, here's the chapter title. You probably won't see it at the back, but trust me, it says, Get Over Yourself. <laughs> so I knew how to listen. So take heart. If you're not listening, God will keep going. And while I was there, I did continue to have words and pictures, and I had to realize whether I saw myself as that person or not, if God says I'm his prophet, only one of us is right. So that's back to the question for us this morning. Who do you think you are? Who do you say you are? And how might that be opening to what God says about you or actually stopping what God is saying about you. So let's look at this scripture passage. I've chosen some verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're starting at verse 5. We don't preach about ourselves, but we preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we preach that we are servants for Jesus. God once said, the light will shine out of the darkness. And this is the same God who made his light shine in our hearts. He gives us light by letting us know the glory of God that is shown in the face of Jesus. We have this treasure from God, but we are only like clay jars that hold the treasure. 
This shows that this great power of the good news is from God, not from us. We have troubles all around us, but we're not defeated. We often don't know what to do, but we don't give up. Other people make us suffer, but God does not leave us. We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. We have the death of Jesus in our own bodies. We carry this death so that the life of Jesus can also be seen in our lives. And we thank you, Father, for this reading from your word. Amen. Now, in this reading, Paul, the writer, is really saying that Christians are very ordinary. Most don't look special. In fact, he says they're just like clay pots. And I guess for us, that would conjure up a picture like this, like a pot that would look like that. Just a flower pot. Normally, you could get them out, I don't know. Home, no, home base. Gosh, am I out of date? <laughs> you could get my home base if I ever went to home base. Yeah, you know, B&Q, Klondike, whatever. They're not very special. But that is not how the clay pots looked like, even though that's probably what we imagine. The clay pots back then looked a little bit like this. So to describe that, it's perhaps three or four foot high. It's big. And there were different types. They were used for lots of different things. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us know the story of the wedding at Cana. And Jesus, says, Jesus changes the water into wine. And those would be large clay pots. But they varied different uses. However, even one like this that looks like it's a water pot, a big pot with a handle, they were actually used for keeping fruit, and even storing clothes in. But the pots themselves, they're not special. They didn't look perfect and smooth like the silver pots that were made at the time. And nobody would look at a clay pot and think, oh, that's lovely. People just didn't see them. They were ordinary. It would be like us taking notice of a jam jar or a plastic flower pot. Because most Flower pots now really are, you know, when we get our flowers and buy them, they're often coming in plastic pots. So a little plastic pot, easily replaceable, can squash. It's ordinary. And so when these clay jars broke, you could get another one, it would just look the same. But the pots were very useful. Now in this reading, Paul's writing to the church in the city of Corinth, and there had been problems in this church. Paul challenged the people there about the way they were living their lives and also the way that they were running the church. But the city was very sophisticated. And people in the church were saying things like, I do paraphrase, well, the good news that Paul has taught us is not clever enough. In fact, Paul himself isn't clever or smart enough. He's not special enough to tell us what's right. He's not good enough. And yet this is the church that Paul himself has established. Now, if somebody said to me, you're not good enough, I'd probably get upset. Or I'd try and tell them, well, yeah, I am, and defend myself. And yet Paul didn't get upset, and he didn't try and tell them. And so he said, you're right. I am nothing special. I am just like the clay pots you see everywhere. And in fact, that's what people who follow Jesus are like. 
But what there is inside them, that's a totally different thing. The truth that Jesus died and rose again to show us God's love. There is the treasure. That good news is like treasure and anyone who believes is carrying this treasure inside them. So Paul is saying to the people in Corinth, yeah, you're right about me. I don't look anything special. I don't have the clever training to bring philosophy into my teaching that you expect. But the people are wrong to think that what is inside him is nothing special. Inside Paul is that truth that God loves people and that truth is treasure. But the rich and sophisticated people in the church in Corinth would have to accept this idea of the treasure in clay pots. Because at that time, if somebody was fortunate enough to be wealthy or have valuable things, how are they going to keep it safe? Are they going to go to bank? No. Are they going to find the equivalent of a strong cupboard that could act as a safe? No. They would take their clay pot, empty out the fruit or the clothes, put the valuable items at the bottom and then put the food or the clothes back in on top. The pots didn't attract any attention. So the people knew for themselves that the treasure really could be hidden in clay pots. So what about us? Not special. Not important. That doesn't mean that God hasn't put treasure in us. If we know that God loves us, and has forgiven us, if we know Jesus as our Lord, as our Saviour, and we have that relationship, that is treasure. And we can't get hung up on the fact that I'm only a clay pot. I'm, I'm only a signer. I'm sorry, I don't do this. God says, yes, you do. And the things we think about ourselves will be true. That's the thing. Amos was a shepherd. That lady who became a minister was a housewife. I am a signer. So what are the truths that we maybe hold on to? Let's look at them. I'm not employed. I'm too old. I'm not clever enough. I am really frightened. I get tired all the time. I'm way too busy. I'm, re- I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my finances. I'm too young. I don't have the experience. I am really scared about the future. I don't keep well. I can't get out. I don't know what you want me to do, God. So all of these statements and lots of other thoughts can be true, but especially that last one. Because sometimes we can be so stuck with the truth we live with that it stops us asking, just a minute, I am those things. How do you see me, Father? And in that identity, who is it you want me to be? Not just what you want me to do. We can get really focused on what does the Lord want us to do? Who does he want us to be? Because it's in that being place, yeah, he might give you things to do. But how does he see us? The things he asks you to do will vary. He may not ask you to do what Stevie does. He may not ask you to go abroad. But having said that, some of 
you hear probably have been to Bulgaria. God has perfect plans for each person. He knows the people in this room who are quiet and are like a backbone for their families or friends of the church. He knows those for whom time lies really heavily in their hands. He knows those who might just be getting led in a new direction. The Father knows all of us who are too unsure to try anything new. But he knows exactly the right person he could bring alongside any one of us. And for that person, you will be treasure. Most of all, God knows how he wants to fulfill our lives because all of us ache to actually have a meaning to our lives. And he knows exactly what that is. Whether we feel it inside us or not, there's this verse from Ephesians 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship, or as a newer translation said, we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We might too feel too old, too ill, too this, too that, all those different things in the list I mentioned, but when we give that over to God and not let it define us, God says, I can work with this. I can use it all. When we listen to the lies of the enemy, which for certain will come our way, we will hear, you're useless. You're just no use at all. But it's not true. It's not true, because that is true. Because what Jesus did on the cross is true. And that's the truth that we have inside us. Even with our doubts and our questions and our weaknesses, the life of Jesus is still in us. And somehow God uses all our limitations... If we had a clay pot, you know, if it was cracked and you could see a wee bit of light through it, his light is stronger because we have these cracks and these failings in us. You can't quite do it with plastic when I tried. They don't break quite as well, but we know what it feels like to be squashed, and you can squash a plastic pot. It's his value hidden in us that makes us so very, very precious. So, as we finish, and before I pray, I'd like to share with you the picture that God gave me a while back for this fellowship. It happens to be this morning. But at the same time, I'd like to ask the welcome team if they'd be kind enough to distribute something. Each person is to get a little pot, and I'm going to ask you if you could just hold it. It will look like this, if you don't mind not taking stuff out yet. Okay? If you could just hold it. Because the picture God gave me was while we prayed, he would touch every single person here. And there are many other pots I will leave for the people who are away on holiday. Because I think what Steve had about the sheep is spot on. Some of us do wander off, but some of us actually just don't feel special enough. We go away from God because we think, oh, you can't use me, see me. I'm not all these different things. But actually, God uses us for who we are rather than for who we're not. And as this is distributed, I'm going to tell you one more story. About a month ago, I was signing at a charismatic conference in Edinburgh in the Usher Hall. I really like music here. The music there, I had earplugs in, I kid you not. 
There was somebody else doing the signing of the worship. That was good. And I went out into the corridor that goes right round the auditorium and the usher hall. And I wasn't being disrespectful. It was just, it was too loud. And I needed a bit of space, a wee bit of peace. And sitting on a small seat, assigned for the ushers, was the usher, the steward, as there were maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15 on that day round that corridor. So I went out to chat to him and said hello and said, how, how are you finding this? Because I thought it'll be very different from the classical concerts and the other things that usually happen in the usher hall. And he said, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I said, I hope people are being kind to you because often when people get together from different churches, they're, they're all chatting amongst themselves and kind of just ignore anybody who's not part of that. I went, no, no, it was, it was very, I mean, he was very professional. He wasn't going to say anything either, being horrible to me. But he said, no, it's been fine. And then I had this picture. And even yet, I'll still go, okay, Lord, uh, okay, Lord. And I found out his name, James, and I said, you know, James, what happens here is maybe different from what you think a traditional church might be like, whatever you think that is. And sometimes God wants to talk directly to us. We'll get a word or picture that he wants to encourage us with. And what I see for you is like little bird seeds or bits of crumbs that you would lay out for birds and lay a trail and be able to follow. And God wants you to follow the trail he's laying because he's got plans and purposes for your life that only he can open up. You can't do it for yourself. And I was pretty well with the picture finished, so I said, so there's your own private bit of weird, okay? And I went back inside. And the thing that went immediately through my head is you didn't tell him the gospel. You didn't tell him that Jesus died for him. You didn't tell him about relationship. That was true. It was still from the enemy. Because I immediately felt I didn't. I didn't. And I thought, okay. Okay. Well, Lord, send somebody who will. Because I can do the picture, but I am really rubbish. The evangelism. I can talk about God's love. But to know how to do that with that gift, when people have evangelism, no. I can give an account, but I have not got that gift. Anyway, a few minutes later, and I was still going, please send somebody who will. But I didn't expect to know that. The other interpreter who was working, we were working together on the actual substance of the talks um, and the services. She was only a bit distracted. And she had a, it was after lunch, and she had a plastic bag that she'd had her lunch in. I said, are you looking for somebody? And she said, yeah, yeah, I'm looking for the usher outside. And I went, James, how do you know his name? I said, mm, I had a picture for him. <gasps> She's, I could see the jaw hitting the ground. She said, well, I was going to the toilets. And I went out, and there's these swing doors in the usher hall. And she said, she went out, and she's about hit him because he's listening in. And she said, I just saw him and got chatting. I, I told him that Jesus loved him, and I told him that he could have a relationship with him, and maybe it would be great that what God wanted to do in his life. And I went, I prayed for that. No, he'll think we're in cahoots. No, we won't. <laughs> so she went out and gave him this bag. And a few minutes later, somebody had snuck a coffee cup in, and there's big signs saying, no coffee cups in the auditorium, please. So I thought, I'll take that out. It'll be better. Took it out, 
Put it in the bin. James is back in his seat. So I went up to him and said, um, my colleague gave you a plastic bag just now. A lady, about the same age. I went, yeah. There was a Bible in it. That was really kind. I went, yeah. I didn't tell her, James. I didn't tell her anything. And he just looked. I went, that's God laying the wee bread or seeds for you. Do you get it? He went, yeah. Do you get it? We can only be who we are. We can't be who we're not. And we focus all the time on either I'm only this or I can't be that. And it's true for all of us. I can't be, oh, it doesn't matter. We all have our comparisons. So now we have definitely all got pots, because that story went on as long as I could make it happen. Yeah, yeah, fine. (laughs) I want us to expect to hear from God. I want us to hold this pot, because we have no idea how much he treasures us. I have to say I couldn't find diamonds to put in this. I couldn't have coped with the expense of that. But just just now, you don't know what's in that pot. And I think that's the truth. We don't have an inkling of what God has put in us. We think we do. I could regale you with story after story where I thought in my life, I know what God wants me to do. I'm going to be working with children. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to, have you noticed that? of that is true here. And we can be given a path And he says, you don't know what I've put inside you. You don't know the spiritual gifts I have given you. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your precious children here this morning. There's not one you don't value. You know the sheep that have got tired and have gone for a wee wander. You know when our hearts are heavy. We have to carry a lot of different things in our lives. Father, I believe that you're opening up treasure in every single person in this fellowship. Every person. Not just the leadership group. Not just those who seem to carry specific giftings. Every person. Those who help in the kitchen. Those who help with children. Those who work in finance. Those who work in the upkeep of this building. There's not one role that you don't value. But Lord, it's more than that. It's not what we do, it's who we are. We're your children. If we don't start with the truth of who we are in you, we will never see what you can do in us. Because the identity you have given us as your child is the most powerful statement in the universe and the enemy quakes when we understand who we are in you. So Lord... With that picture you showed me, I ask you to come to each person and open up in their hearts that question that you want them to ask. 
For some, it might be. I don't know who you are, Lord. It could just be, I have never really known you as Lord and Savior. For some, it would be, I still carry that dream from years ago you put in my heart, and I've never seen it come to fruition. Holy Spirit, go there. Into that place of pain and disappointment. Go to those who carry regret. Shame. Worry. Go to each of us in our fear. Because I don't believe there's one person in this room that doesn't get scared. Lord, for those who feel themselves very redundant in your kingdom values or in the world's values, speak into those hearts and say you have no idea how how much I love you and how I still and always have have plans and purposes for you because my blueprint does not change. It's just that we don't understand it, Lord. And Father, come in that way that only the shepherd can because he doesn't just go after the individual sheep but he brings them all together and says, do you know what I can do with you? And you're releasing and changing and bringing fruition to prayers from many years ago in this fellowship in this community at this time. And Lord, in that whisper, in that quiet, still place in our hearts, I ask that you would speak so deeply to us so that when we take the kind of boring newspaper, factual part of our life and see the treasure you have put in us, Let us know that you will reveal what that means. Let us know that you are a God that reveals his love and will reveal his beauty, his riches, and his wonder that he has given each of us. And it will look unique for each person. And in that uniqueness, as Lord, you satisfy the desires of our hearts, you will also bring into this fellowship the gifts and the wisdom as well as the roles and the purposes you have for this fellowship and this community. Lord, all of this we give to you, saying we love you. And let us reach out and hold on to all that you have for us. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.